0: From St. Louis Public Radio.
1: This is St. Louis on the Air. This this conversation comes up a lot. I don't think one has to be gay in order to direct or conduct an opera about an iconic gay civil rights activist. Mm -hmm. Um, And Stuart Wallace is straight, the composer. Um, you know, is it okay for... Yeah, is Stuart
0: Wallace allowed to write this? Is the he show?
1: allowed to do this? Or, you know, uh, was it okay for Sean Penn to do it? Of course it is. I don't think that we need to be that territorial about it.
0: I'm Sarah Fensky. Opera Theatre of St. Louis has a long history of world premieres, including, in recent years, Shalimar the Clown. That opera brought Salmon Rushdie himself to Webster Groves. More recently, Fire Shot Up in My Bones went from its St. Louis premiere to the Metropolitan Opera in New York City, the first opera by a black composer ever to be performed by the Met. But this year is something brand new for the 46-year-old institution. This year, Opera Theatre of St. Louis will feature two world premieres. Opening June 11th is Harvey Milk. That, of course, is about the slain San Francisco politician. And just one week before, on June 4th, is the premiere of Awakenings. This is a show about a real-life pandemic, one that features some gorgeous music. I
2: hate, but no, it's there, but now I know
0: is from a workshop version of the new opera Awakenings. It's one of two operas making their world premiere at Opera Theater of St. Louis this spring. And joining us now is the company's artistic director, James Robinson, who also happens to be directing both of these shows. James,
1: welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here.
0: So James, one world premiere seems like a heavy lift. You've done that before. Two in one season, opening within a week of each other. Did you ever imagine this would be on your plate?
1: No, but it it looked Good at the time, so (laughs) we figured it would be a great way. Actually, no, we're really excited because it's a a good way to come back to the theater um, after not being at our home in Webster Groves for two years, for two seasons. So this is great. I should also say I'm not taking on this Herculean feat by myself. I am directing – um, the world premiere of Awakenings, but I'm co-directing Harvey Milk with the wonderful director and choreographer Sean Curran.
0: Yeah, it still feels like a lot of work.
1: It's a lot of work. I,
0: I don't even understand how you're here right now. I mean, I, I asked you to come, I desperately wanted you to come, but I'm like, doesn't he have two different rehearsals to be at right now?
1: <laughs> or
0: is it hard to sort of go back and forth between these two very different shows?
1: Well, you know, what's interesting. We had planned to do Awakenings, I think, in 2020, mm-hmm. and I I had done a lot of prep work on it already, so it was already in my head, and we had worked out the designs. We'd worked out everything. And uh, having done all of that preliminary work a couple of years ago, um, you know, it was really good because now, you know, when I'm in rehearsals, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember how we were going oh, to okay. do this. okay, so you can so, kind of step in. Absolutely, and it's, it's much easier that way. Um, and then with Harvey Milk, um, we were going to do it last year, and then we kicked it into this season and you know that's the one that I think is is maybe a little more of a challenge just because it's it's a very big piece.
2: Yeah,
0: so tell us a bit about this opera. I understand it is a world premiere, but it is also based on something that premiered back in 1995 at, at the in Houston.
1: Correct. It was uh, – the world premiere of Harvey Milk was at uh, the Houston Grand Opera and then it went on to the San Francisco Opera and the New York City Opera and it was a, a sprawling three-act version um, of, of Stuart Wallace and, and uh, Michael Corey's opera. And it had not been performed since 1995. Hmm. I was a big fan of the piece. I thought it was – there was something very exciting about it and very – You got to
0: see it back in
1: 1995. I did. I did. I saw it uh, at New York City Opera in 95 or 96, whenever it was done there. And I was very struck by it. But I also thought, okay, this is a lot of opera. And over the years, I had gotten to know Stuart Wallace and he expressed interest in creating a brand new version of Harvey Milk, something that um, that reduced it a bit. They wanted to reimagine it and get it down to a two-act version as opposed to a big three-act version. We had had uh, history with that at Opera Theater. There was an opera that we did a few years ago called The Grapes of Wrath by Ricky Ian Gordon. And that was an original uh, – originally it was done in a in a big three-act version, almost four hours long. Ooh. And we – I know. And then we asked uh, Ricky if he might have a second look at it and create a two-act version. So we're used to doing that. We, we like to give composers a second chance yeah. to do that. So that's what the world premiere of Harvey Milk is. So it's the world premiere of a new version.
0: So that is very exciting. And I feel like this story has only um, – People have talked so much about the Harvey Milk story in recent years. Mm-hmm. There's been, I think, a couple of films. Um, yeah. Do you feel like this adds that maybe the opera can change a little bit because so many more people are so familiar with this source material?
1: I think so. You know, the film that was done uh, by Gus Van Sant and had um, uh, Sean Penn in it was very, very famous and, and widely seen. There are a couple of documentaries out there about Harvey Milk. And I think these days it's interesting – watching a, a younger generation um look at Harvey Milk and and ask questions. Who is Harvey Milk? Why was he important? How what does it mean to us now? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's 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 quite relevant. Yeah. You know?
0: And I understand that both of you co-directors as well as the conductor, these are all members of the LGBTQ community. Correct. Was that important?
1: Yes. Um I don't think one has to be um I don't think one has to be gay in order to direct or conduct an opera about an iconic um, gay civil rights activist. Mm -hmm. Um, And Stuart Wallace is straight, the composer. Um, and, you know, it's funny these days people asking all these questions. Well, you know, is it OK? for yeah, is Stuart
0: Wallace allowed to write Is he show?
1: allowed to do this? Or, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, I even had a conversation a few weeks ago with somebody who said uh, – who was, who was talking about the film and said, well, was it okay for Sean Penn to do it? And I was like, of course it is. And of course it was, you know, if we didn't have Stuart Wallace creating an opera about Harvey Milk, well, who else would do it? You so don't
0: have queasiness about that. I
1: don't, and I I, I don't at all. And um, this, this conversation comes up a lot, and I... I don't think that we need to be that territorial about it. Particularly, you know, we're all really trying to understand each other and I think we're stronger together as opposed to to kind of separating and, and going into our own camps to, you know, like – only doing the straight opera, only doing the gay opera, or whatever it is. Yeah, you know?
0: this is an opera that would work for any opera fan.
1: Absolutely, and and the thing about it is, you know, Harvey Milk had a uh, his life was operatic. I mean, he, he there was a lot going on in that life. I, I say he got a big, sprawling, messy life, and opera played a huge part in his life, which mm. was which was curious. But I I look at Harvey Milk as more of a civil rights figure, and not just a gay rights figure. And I think that's why there's a universality to... To telling his story.
0: Yeah, well, this sounds so exciting. I feel like people listening—if they don't want to go out and see Harvey Milk after this, then they don't belong in your audience. There
1: you go. <laughs> yeah. But we welcome everybody, of, of course, course. <laughs> even,
0: even if they're not excited. They Absolutely. So this is one of the two world premieres happening. The other one is Awakenings, mm-hmm. and, and as you mentioned, um, this was sort of being planned for that 2020 season—the season that did not happen. Yes. Um, and we were lucky enough to get the composer and librettist on our show back when we thought this was going to happen. It was right before. Before the pandemic shut everything down and they shared some work um, from this workshop, I want to play another song from this. We unfortunately don't have any music from Harvey Milk to share today, but this is from Awakenings. This is called If Time Stood Still for Us. If time stood still for us, that is from the new opera Awakenings. This actually goes back to a 2019 workshop version, but just to give people a sense, mm-hmm. has it changed much since that workshop version?
1: Well, I don't know whether it's changed much. Uh, you know, Tobias uh, created the score, and we were all very much looking forward to it. So we were all, you know, ready to go with it. I, I don't think the score has changed so much as we have all changed.
0: Yes, and this is a very timely. It is a
1: very show. timely, and we didn't plan it this way. Um, but uh, the the jumping off point for this story is that there was a pandemic. Um, about a hundred years ago, where people were afflicted with um, a disease that put them into a, uh, a state of sleeping, um, and it was called uh, encephalitis lethargica, and about a million people worldwide were struck by this, mm-hmm. and they just fell asleep or became, you know, like living statues, and they were sort of warehoused. Uh, in various parts of the world, in
0: institutions,
1: institutions, and because nobody knew what to do with it, and then um, Dr. Oliver Sacks, uh, in in the late '60s, uh, decided to to try uh, a treatment for them. So they awakened, and it was a, a drug called L-dopa in its early stages, and he used it. It had been used to treat Parkinson's patients, and it awakened. Many of most of these these people end and, and uh, they were making up for lost time yeah. and it 's a really beautiful story i mean the, the whole pandemic thing is just it 's incidental it 's not like we 're telling a story of a pandemic, but it sort That's
0: of a, puts everything in motion
1: sure does yeah. <laughs> yeah and um but then of course you know he he displayed this incredible love and sensitivity towards his patients, but then the problem is the L-dopa ultimately failed. Yeah, and the question in the opera: What do you do after you've experienced life like this for a while? They came; th- these patients came alive, and they started living their lives again, only to go back to sleep. Yeah, and it's I'll, crushing. It, it's crushing, and it's beautiful, and it is an optimistic piece, believe it or not, because what. Oliver Sacks did led to so many advances in in science mm-hmm. and medicine, and um, and I, I think that it, it's a very touching, beautiful piece. I think. I think Tobias has written some of his best music. It's so lovely. This. It really is. Yeah, it really this, is. and it
0: seems very approachable for people who oh, maybe completely. aren't ready for modern operas that sound so avant-garde. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think it's uh, it has humor in it. Um, the music is very approachable. It's very lush. The cast is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, I think it's... Uh, I like to say, you know, I, I love my, all of my children equally, but I'm particularly fond of, of this cast for Awakenings. It's mm-hmm. really great.
0: And we should mention, I bet there's some people listening who are thinking, this kind of reminds me of a Robin Williams movie I saw back in the day.
1: Absolutely. There was a movie uh, with Robert De Niro and Robin Williams, I think directed by Penny Marshall, yeah. that was based on Oliver Sacks' book, Awakenings. Um And there are many similarities, but there there are also differences. Sure. Um, And the other thing that we all feel like we now have a a personal connection to Oliver Sacks because Tobias Picker, the composer, actually knew Oliver Sacks quite well, and he
0: wanted um, Tobias and his husband to write this opera. Absolutely,
1: and and they did. And uh, unfortunately, Oliver Sacks died. Just a few weeks before we had decided on commissioning this piece, mm,
2: so there's you know. a heartbreaker right there. There
1: is, there is, but there's something, and you know, Oliver Sacks has this huge following, and um, and I think he, you know, he's he's a larger than life figure, and and he uh, he has a very significant role, obviously in this opera, and, and uh, Jarrett Porter, who was playing Oliver Sacks, was such a dynamic young singer. We're really thrilled that he's with us.
0: So these are two such exciting shows you're going to yeah. have. Now I'm sold on both of these. So so the last world premiere, I believe it was the last world premiere, Fire Shot, shot Up in My Bones, Correct. was such a smash in St. Louis. It then went to the Met. You actually directed it at the Met.
1: Right. That's huge. Well, we yes. I mean, I was very surprised when Peter Gelb uh, at the Metropolitan Opera asked if we if he could take on Fire Shut Up My Bones. Um, and that was the first opera to open the Met season after they had been shut down for 18 months. And uh, it was a really big deal. Yeah. I, I love the fact that it was an opera that we commissioned and pre- presented here uh, at Opera Theater of St. Louis, Terence's second opera. And because of the success of that, The Met is now performing um, Champion, which was Terrence's first opera. Which
0: also debuted here. It
1: did. And we did that in 2013 or 14. So I'll be uh, doing that uh, production at the Metropolitan Opera in April of 23. So, so
0: that's so exciting. People can see these shows in St. Louis and then everybody else has to clamor absolutely. to see them in New York.
1: We're, we're the trailblazers here. So, yeah. So
0: do you think for either of these two shows that you're debuting this year, do you see either Awakenings or, or Harvey Milk maybe has that kind of trajectory in its future? It could end up in New York.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know – I, I I think that we we have such a strong reputation for creating works that go on to many other theaters. So even if, you know, uh, Awakenings or uh, um, Harvey Milk doesn't necessarily go on to the Met, um, there are other theaters out there that – It that, will
0: play again. It
1: will play again. It will play again. And we're, we're always so thrilled that we're able to – um to give birth to these yeah. these pieces and 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 also that we give opportunities to comp- to composers like Stuart Wallace give him a second chance to have you know, look at Harvey Milk, reimagine it, and then we will perform it. And um, and that's very exciting for us.
0: And so for all of us who are big fans of Opera Theater of St. Louis, it's so exciting that you guys are back in the Loretto Hilton Center this year. It has been a long time. Last year's season, um, it was so great that opera went on, even with these sort of scary conditions. You guys had to do it outside. And boy, did that add some complications
1: yes I was there
0: on a night that was too hot I was there on a night that was too cold I know those are
1: things that we don't normally uh, contend with Um, you know usually we get tornado warnings but we all stay in the theater uh, and everything's fine but, yeah, there were evenings when it was just – because we were performing out in the parking lot. Yeah. And we had constructed a theater and, and all of that. But I, I remember the, the real shocker was when it was too cold for the orchestra to perform. Yes, I was there that night and, ah. and a
0: pianist went on and it was, you know, tears in my eyes. This young man rose to the occasion. Yeah. But maybe not ideal settings for not
1: opera. I, not ideal. But, you know, we pulled it off and I was very proud of of what the entire company uh, managed to, to do last season. Um, and even last season, you know, we did three world premieres yeah. and, um, you know, a very, very rarely performed opera by um, William Grant Still, who is, you know, one of the great African-American composers. So, we, uh, you know, I think that was a very Opera Theater of St. Louis season last year. And this is a very Opera Theater of St. Louis season season this year.
0: And do you feel like after what you went through last year mounting operas in a parking lot that in some ways this year even with these two major world premieres this year is kind of a piece of cake?
1: I wouldn't say piece of cake <laughs> just because we're also presenting Carmen and The Magic Flute. So Carmen is a you know wonderful piece obviously but it's a big piece. Yeah. So this is this is quite an ambitious season. We're so thrilled to be working with our partners, uh, the St. Louis Symphony. Um, You know, they're the most extraordinary um, collaborators, and we're very lucky to have them. Um, and we're all just, you know, very excited to be back in the theater, have a roof over our heads. Yes. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm really thrilled at what what we're taking on.
0: It's so exciting. And it all starts so soon. That season kicks off not this weekend, next weekend. You guys ready?
1: We are ready. We're going to open with Carmen and then follow it up with Magic Flute and then two world premieres.
0: Well, so there is information on how to get tickets. Get in on these shows. See them before you'd have to travel to New York to see them or other opera companies around the world, uh, we have details at stlonair.show or you can go to opera-stl.org. And again, that season kicks off on May 21st. James Robinson, thank you so much for joining us. My great
1: pleasure. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer.
0: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air?